Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll start, we'll start even in verse uh, 1. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 1 says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, that physical body that was created in dust in Genesis 2, 7, that will go back to the dust in Genesis 3 and verse 19, were dissolved. We have a building of God, a house. This is, a, this is who we are. And which is the, the prayer of the Holy Spirit through Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. And of course, 5.24, faithful is he who calls us, and that's in Christ, uh, who will also do it. And so, a building, a house, not made with hands. You see, everything about us, of course, it's not... It doesn't have anything to do with man's hands or his will in Second Peter 1, 20 and 21. How will we interpret that? How will we interpret God, his word, the body, each other, with our own will not submitted to? Areas where we're even ignorant of. And where the light comes on, not to condemn, but to lovingly convict. And when we don't do it ourselves, we have the opportunity for the word in 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32. But we have this house made with hand, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan. And this is part of our, our growth. This is part of our growth. We groan earnestly. And that has to do with 2 Corinthians 7.10. There's a groaning and a godly sorrow, but there's never any regret with that. Earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. This is our new bodies, right? If so be that being clothed, we will not be found naked. Remember in Genesis 3, 8 to 12, Adam and Eve, they covered themselves with fig leaves. Oh boy, sometimes we do that. Here we have Christ in us and we'll, we think we have to taper the word of God and then we come with our fig leaves on and those we come with those fig leaves on and we see each other and after the flesh. And if it's okay in me, is it going to be okay in someone else? Yes. Yes. That we won't be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon. And this is the privilege that we have to continue to do this even now to prepare us for that. And this is Ephesians chapter 4, verses twenty to uh, 24, and also brings in uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies, the compassionate, tender, a cause of his love, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your only reasonable, sensible service, so that you're not conformed to this world, but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind so that God can prove to you who you truly are. And if he proves it to you and me, he can use that without any condemnation, but a light that convicts, that proves to others of who they are in Christ. And this is very necessary. And this is why the time is so extremely short. We, we burn, not to be, but clothed upon that, that mortality shall be swallowed up of life. And it's incorruptibility, by the way. Uh, corruptibility will be swallowed up with incorruptibility. And that's the, the proper uh, Greek uh, here. 
in the translation. Now he that has wrought us of the selfsame thing is God, who also has given unto us, given unto us the earnest desire uh, of the Spirit for this, for Christ to be made manifest in us. Therefore, therefore, knowing that while we are at home in this body right now, we are absent from the Lord, although in, in, in terms of where we're headed in, in this eternal uh, fellowship, but that we have right now in time as he intercedes for us, we are, we are absent from the Lord. For here now we walk by faith and not by sight. You see, sight here, I'm telling God, is the flesh. For the believer in Christ, it's called the flesh. That's what it's called. It's called the flesh. In any single area, it interrupts the flow of the life of Christ and inhibits. It, it, it quenches the spirit in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. It does. And it grieves him in Ephesians 4.30 because it says, let no corrupt communication. He's talking to believers here, talking to all of us. Without, without what? Any condemnation because he's talking to us about who we are in Christ. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and thereby you don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You don't pain him. <laughs> you don't pain him, because in that relationship, there's less than what, what God desires through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit for that relationship, that exchange. There's no flesh involved in fellowship with Christ. There's none whatsoever. And this even brings out the beauty of First John chapter one, one through ten, and brings it in to First uh, uh, John two, one and two, which goes all the way back to Genesis two, one and two, not polluting the Sabbath rest, not polluting the Sabbath rest. In other words, not pollute. And this is what he was saying, to, explaining to me about the flesh. See, the flesh, what it does is it pollutes the Sabbath. God's rest through Christ from entering into your experience. That's what it does. You pollute the Sabbath. His rest. And then do you joy in him in Romans 5.11? No. And here's what makes necessary the word. Listen, it's very sober and very serious. Very serious. In Hebrews 4.12, there's a divine, a supernatural operation of separating the soul from the spirit. And he's proving it by when it talks about the joints and the marrow. And, and what it brings out there is that sacrifice that Christ was a type of all through, all through the Old Covenant, all through the Old Covenant, especially in Leviticus and, 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 and places in Exodus, where that sacrifice was cut in every piece and you didn't find a thing that was polluted in it. There wasn't a spot or a blemish. That's who Christ is in us. That's who he is in us. And this is what this is bringing out and what God was bringing out to me this morning. Okay? For we walk by faith, by absolute dependence. And the flesh is the area where I refuse to be dependent for, for any of us, any of us, especially for us as men. And especially, especially in our relationships with each other. Because the flesh is what the enemy uses to cause the fly to be in the ointment that Christ is, the purity of it. And this is Ecclesiastes 10, verse 1. 
That's the, the area of the flesh that we experience is the area where the cross that's finished it for us hasn't entered into the experience, hasn't sever, severed and separated the soul from the spirit. Hasn't. And then we, the flesh thinks it has rights. Thinks it has rights, you know. Uh, I have rights now. God has blessed me with finances. Boy, when he does, and it's not given to him, boy, what do we use that for, the flesh? And then if he gives us an abundance, he gives us an abundance of his word, he gives us tools to understand it and understand it. And when we begin to do, we begin to make ourselves and think we can be equal and familiar with others. And I'm going to tell you, God's not going to have that. And you and I in Christ, we don't want that in our own individuality, do we? We don't want it. We don't want to mix our flesh with Christ. And in, in the way that he doesn't want that in us, he doesn't want that to, to do to others. And there's to be, in these very last times that we're in, and we really are, in terms of even our age, in terms of our age, or really the, the prophetic calendar, the prophetic calendar as the earth is being ripened for Christ to come back and judge it. Of course, with, with us, there is no judgment. And then, of course, to understand First uh, Peter 4, and verse 17, where it says in certain translation, judgment begins in the house of God. It's not judgment there. Chastisement will begin. But loving chastisement with wrath having been met. But when he comes with the day of the Lord, and when it says the day of the Lord all through the Old Covenant, it's teaching this judgment coming on the earth. Then there's going to be wrath poured out. There's going to be, but not for us. And this is where this is where I am, I believe, personally. Listen, chastisement begins in me as his house without any question about it. He is not going to have it because, he, because of what, what it cost him and his son and the Holy Spirit because they all participated, never separated in that, but it, through the son, yes. And so as we, we go into this this morning here, this is what it's saying. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't walk. The flesh walks by its own sight. And there is where we have Judges 17 and verse 6, where we have Judges 18 and verse 1 brought out. Not as clear, but brought out. And Judges 21 and verse 25, and then brought out very beautifully in Deuteronomy 12 and verse 8, where men do what's right in their own eyes. Men do what's right in their own eyes. And there's a beautiful function in the local assembly. There is, where there's babes. And, and, and a babe can, can function in ignorance uh, towards a young man. And a, and a young man can function in ignorance and familiarity to a spiritual dad. But a spiritual dad can do that just as well to the young man. And, and, and then the young men to the babes. When Christ is not the head. When the flesh has not been severed in the experience. This is where God is preparing us. He's preparing, and we are in these last days. I, I cannot in my own personal study, and when I say study, and God take Holy Spirit, the only theologian and scholar who takes the things of Christ and shows them unto me. First, he always, he's always, right now with me, he's dealing with the light dawning in me who, who Christ is. 
in 2 Peter 1 and verse 19, he's doing that. But he always has this prophecy. And that prophecy has to do with how short the time is. How short it is. And the opportunity that we have, the opportunities that we have are, are incredible. And it doesn't matter if it's two or three. It doesn't matter with God. We get two or three, he's going to pour it out. He's going to pour it out. Two or three, it's enough for him. Of course, he wants it for all. <laughs> and in the sense of Philippians 3, uh, 3, 9, he's not willing that any should perish. And we, we will never perish in our position in Christ, but sometimes we perish. <laughs> we perish in our experience through the flesh. We are to know one another, and we'll see this. Here we go. Verse 9, wherefore we endeavor, we labor, we endeavor. We always, not in, in the flesh, but we endeavor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. You see that? So will shame keep me from accepting who I am in Christ? There's no shame in him, but, he, but, there, but there can be in us experientially. And this is where this comes in, that we may be accepted of him. I mean, if you love your child, you love your wife, don't you want them and don't I want them to realize that they are so accepted of us? And you wouldn't want anything to be in the way. Listen, our old man has been crucified in Romans 6, 1 to 6. Our sins have been dealt with in Psalm 103 and verse 12. They've been dealt with. It's all been dealt with. Our eternal future is just completely dealt with. The only, and, every, and every enemy for us, the enemy for many, that will be the last enemy in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 26 that will be dealt with is death, but it's already for us dealt with. Already. What separates me from, from him in my position? Nothing. What in my experience? The flesh. And it does not change. It doesn't change. And Proverbs 24, 21, meddle not with them that are given to change. Don't. If you allow yourself, if I allow my flesh to be intermingled and intertwined with Christ, it's, I'm going to bring that into another relationship. Very critical. And so, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we can experience the effects of his love being accepted in the beloved in Ephesians 1.6. And is there any flesh there that he hasn't dealt with positionally? No, it's gone. What about our experience? For we must all appear before the manifestation seat, by the way. If you see judgment in any translation, you can just cross that right out. Or not to understand judgment in terms of the eyes of Christ in Revelations 1 and verse 14 and in Revelations 19 verses 12 and 13 where it brings it out. His eyes were as a flame of fire. You know what fire does. It reduces everything down to what it actually is. And this goes into, obviously, the Bema Seat manifestation and revelation in 1 Corinthians 3, 15, uh, 13 to 15, and in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, which we're reading here. But we must all appear before the manifestation seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether it be good or bad. And where's the bad in our experience? It's the flesh. It's the flesh. And we'll see that at the Bema seat. And we'll see that. that, and, that and then it says this, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Now there's no, listen, 
There is no terror. There's going to be plenty of godly sorrow for us in our growth as we grow. But none would, would regret 2 Corinthians 7, 10. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. There isn't any. There isn't any. But there is, there is terror, but that's at the great white throne judgment. And he's preparing us to meet him by separating those things. By separating them. And he does that in us individually so that we can fel have fellowship with him individually. Then we can fellowship with one another. This brings out, listen, this brings out 1 John 1, 1 to 3. When, when they tasted and touched and handled him, <laughs> there was a, a, a personal experience of his love life in them. This great exchange that they had individually that they desired now with others, as I do, in, in, in the right way in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 4. But, and then he's given us all of that that would pollute his rest from entering into us in Hebrews chapter 4, 1 through 10. Anything that would get in the way of it, we can confess it. And not, and not probation. Confess it. Confess it. Beautiful. So that we don't live in the pollution in the lie of the enemy of his Sabbath rest in us because he rests in the son of his love in Zephaniah 3 and verse 17. That's where we rest again, Hebrews chapter 4, 1 to 10. This is where we do it. Wherefore, that's why we labor, that whether absent or present, we may experience the, the acceptance that's ours in Christ as individuals in Ephesians 1, 6. For we, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done. And this is going into the good, and that's Philippians 2, 12. And 13, or bad, separated, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, those that don't appear at the Bema seat, that won't because they don't have Christ as his Savior. The lie of universalism, the lie of annihilationism, two tremendous lies that are prevalent now all throughout Christianity. And, and just, it's just a, it's a form of Christendom that enters into the experience of a proper understanding of Christ and us as individuals. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, that's going to happen at Revelation, the 20th chapter, in verses 11 to 15. <clears throat> we persuade men. How do we do that? Who does the persuading? Does God use the flesh? Come on, does he? Please, and I'm saying please, I'm saying, I say please God, not in me anymore. Please God. Not in me, the flesh, anymore. Not in my relationships with anybody. Not in any terms of familiarity. Being familiar with someone, knowing them after the flesh, and not in who Christ is in them. The great cost, the great pearl of great price. That great pearl in Matthew 13, 38, and all the way down through in that chapter. The pearl of great price, of great suffering, and what it cost him to bring that believer to where they are in him. So, but we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto who first? That, that's where it happens in us. God dealing with us. And I trust also made manifest in your conscience. You see this, where we have this fellowship, the purity of a conscience in Titus 1 and verse 15, to the pure, all things are pure. I know you purely in Christ. The enemy starts to come in in the flesh and, you know, and I start to know someone after it and now I have the right to kind of joke around and, and instantly, loving conviction. No, no, 
Oh no, no, not needed. God does not need the tapers and the measure of my flesh to balance his word, to think that I should do that. No. How do I know that? Well, look at Christ. He's our example. We're to walk in his steps in 1 Peter 2.21 and Psalm 37.23. We're to walk as he ought to. If we say we abide in him, we ought to walk like he did in 1 John 2.6. And how did he walk? Show me one area that it was ever, he ever treated someone in the flesh. Those that were his. This is amazing. Very, very beautifully convicting. And the time is very short for this. There is the time. Listen, and, and those, listen, even those that live in, excuse, in an excuse not to receive Christ who did away with it in John 15, 22, I, I still know them in the purity of Christ. Still. I may not be able to have fellowship with them because there's no fellowship in the flesh. In the exchange of it, there just isn't. There just is not. And so here we see this, to be made manifest in your conscience. So <laughs> I have purity, and I, I, I present that in fellowship to you, knowing you that way, and then you knowing that way in yourself. You have that back, and we have that exchange. That's called fellowship. Not an ounce, not an inkling of the flesh in any of it. But we commend, listen, not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf that you may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance. You think that's the flesh? Oh boy. You know, not flesh. You know what my flesh in, is in me? It is, even in the things of Christ, it is that Pharisee who dresses up. <laughs> Read Matthew 23. Oh boy. It just dresses up and it thinks it has its rights to its rights to choose who it will be with. Oh, some of the decisions that we make when we call it fellowship, and we need to know the difference. Is it the flesh? Is what God is doing, no matter where we are, does it have a thing to do with the flesh? Oh, is the flesh any less subtle in us? Is it? Genesis 3.1 and 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3. The flesh in us is so subtle. And that's why it's this constant operation, all of us, that we need. That we need in Hebrews 4.12. That word was piercing to, the, to, uh, to Saul. It, it pierced him. And boy, the flesh doesn't like it. But you know what? Too bad for me. I don't care, I don't care for the flesh. Now that's my business. That, that is my business, period. And then you, then you preach and teach the word as God does it in you. You have this exchange now, and it can flow out. Then God does that. That's his business. <laughs> and then you live in the rest and freedom of his love in Galatians 5 and verse 1. And then you don't mix it, and then you follow it down through even to the 10th verse there in Galatians, the 5th chapter. But here it says that, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We don't commend ourselves again to you, but give you the occasion to glory on our behalf. That just means that what they're going to give back to him <laughs> in fellowship, that you may have someone to answer them, which glory in appearance. And that's not the flesh going against their flesh. No. That's just you have Christ and that's it. You have Christ in you. And there's no condemnation coming towards them. No. 
But God will bring in conviction when he doesn't need the condemnation of our flesh and someone else. We commend ourselves again. And, and you have an answer. Who's the answer to them that glory in the pain? Who's our answer? Who's answered every need in Philippians 4 and verse, uh, verse 19? Who's the only one we can do all things for in Philippians 4 and verse 13? It's Christ. But whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. That's what we appear to some that live in the flesh. We appear like, you know, oh my God. What did Jesus appear like? What was Saul? He was their guy. Philippians, the third chapter. Read those first eight verses. He was their man. As soon as he got Christ, oh man, they thought he was nuts. Jesus' own brothers and sisters, naturally in the flesh, didn't believe him. Multitudes said about Jesus in Mark 3.21, he's nuts, he's crazy, he's beside himself. Yeah, because there's no sense to the flesh that lives in nonsense. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. Help When I say us, of course, I'm, I mean literally me. God help me. For whether we be beside ourselves, you may think that, but it's just us towards God. Or whether we be sober, oh, this is where it is. In so sobriety and sober, this is Second Timothy one seven. There's no flesh involved in that. Whether we be sober, this is Ephesians five and verse eighteen. Be not drunk with wine, coming under the atmosphere, actuating the flesh in the believer. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess in all the flesh. Oh my God, flesh is evil. There's no question about it. And it's unchangeable, and thank God that's not who we are in our experience. I mean, in, in, in our position. But, uh, whether we be sober, it is for your cause, and cause is always God's love. For the love of Christ constrains us, holds us together, keeps the flesh out, because we thus judge, we thus discern, that if one died for all, listen, because all were dead, all lived separated. Where do I live separated from him right now in my experience? This flesh. And I'll give that to you and we'll live together like that. No, not having it. Mm -mm, not going to have it. No. This is what makes it extremely important, important when we gather together to hear the word, that we're in a place of extreme concentration, giving ourselves over to him, really, honestly. Really and truly, truly, truly. God told me yesterday, listen, you're to preach the word. <laughs> the way that I gave it to you. And you, yeah, and you didn't receive it in the flesh. And I didn't give it to you for the flesh. But you, need, you needed to do that for others. And that does have to do with a proper place and a proper environment. It really does. And God will do any convicting that needs to be done. Because he, he's doing, he can only do it in each individual. For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all. Did he? This is propitiation. He died for all. He did not pay for the sins of all. But he made it a possible because he was propitiated. We'll see it right in this chapter. Because we thus judge that he died for all. And then it says they. It doesn't say all. It says they which live. 
have the life of Christ in Colossians 3 and verse 4. Why? Because we died, Colossians 3 and verse 3. You died. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. But Christ who is our life, when he appears, we will also appear with him in glory. He's our life. He wants to appear now, and he does that through the Holy Spirit, through separating the soul from the spirit. And then we have purity, nothing but purity. And he doesn't need me. He doesn't need Ed's tapers of the flesh to balance his word and then teach it like that, that now in his conduct and his behavior, that's okay for others. It's not. It really isn't, honestly. In me. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth from now on live unto themselves. Where? The flesh. Yeah. I have a right to do that. You can't judge me. God will give me grace. He never gives grace to the flesh. It's the answer to get out of it experientially because it's been answered positionally. But never, 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 never. And when we come to hear the word of God, we should be so ready to hear him and not be distracted. Seriously, this is very serious. This is very serious because the enemy will actuate the flesh in us ignorantly so that we'll miss things. That brings in the reality, the true reality of John 12, 35 and 36. A little while is the light, the word with you. Walk while you have it. Lest darkness come upon you. And sometimes, you know, the flesh lives in that darkness for a long time. And I, I tell you, I've lived in it. This is my personal testimony and witness to his grace and truth in me. I'm, I, I've lived in it long enough. And I don't want it in me. I want Jesus in me to be, uh, have his pure way with me. And, and I want that with you in an exchange. And that's not condemnation. That's just loving conviction in me. And so, that we should not live anymore unto ourselves, but unto him which died for them, for them is great love, and rose again in great love. Wherefore, wherefore, on account of this, from now on, we don't know or experience any man after the flesh. That starts with you and me personally. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, and oh, some of the songs and things that still know him after the flesh. He is risen and he's the risen, glorified God. <laughs> that's who he is and that's how we're to know him. To know him. We know no man after the flesh, though we have known Christ after the flesh. What's that mean? Interpreting him. Through our flesh. Yet now, now, oh God, now, time is so short. Now, from now on, know we him. Oh, please, Lord, no more. Therefore, if and he is, if any man is in Christ, then it says this in the original, let him be a new creature because that's who he is. Old things are not in the process of passing away, meaning giving me grace to live in the flesh. Flesh, No, Romans 6, 1 and 15, he never gives me grace to live in the sin. Romans 3, 8, should I do evil that good may abound? Absolutely not. No, no. Live in the purity of who he is in you and who you are in him. 
And then you have that in exchange with others. Men, Ed, men, initiate, men. And then take the lead as you follow him. Take the lead. And believe me, the flesh is so subtle. You know when it says in Luke 10, 18, Jesus said, I beheld Satan. He was like lightning falling to the earth. Oh my God. It's like this. Picture how fast lightning is. Boom! And that's how fast the flesh can be activated. That's how fast it can be experientially. Boy, we need to deal with it instantly. You talk about obedience and delayed obedience and disobedience and knowing to do good and not doing it. You know, James 4.17, to him that knows to do good and, and, and does it not, to him it is sin. That means that we still like those areas. We still want those areas to be alive. So we're going to choose what we hear and what we don't want to hear. And God forbid, please, Lord, in me. As we close this, now all things are already past tense, passed away. Behold, be lit up with him. Psalm 34 and verse 5. They looked unto him and were lit up with him. What a light. What a light. All areas dealt with positionally. Bring it into the experience. All things, all things have become new. Now I know a way to see them without condemnation. Without my will being unsubmitted in James 4, 7 and not falsely interpreting my will and mixing it in the flesh with the will that Christ is in John 4 and verse 34 who, who, who came to, do, uh, to finish the work and to fulfill all his will bringing out the truth of the prophecy in Psalm 47 and 8, bringing it out beautifully so that we don't mix our will with the word in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. And as we close this this morning, listen, listen look at what it says. They are all become new. Is that person, is that babe in Christ, are they young man in Christ, are that spiritual dad in Christ, are they experiencing and functioning in the flesh? How should I see them? Well, how do I see myself? And then preach. You preach and teach. And preaching and teaching is just the flow of a personal experience coming out. And God does the convicting. He does it. We see that in 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32. And love, he convicts with his love to protect us. And he needs to protect us from the flesh because that's the, that's the greatest enemy we have right now. Satan's been dealt with. That's Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. He's been dealt with in Hebrews 9, 12 to 14. He has been dealt with. Our sins, our old man is crucified, sins paid. We're more than conquerors right now in Christ. In Romans 8, 37, it's the flesh. And we see that in Romans 8, 1 to 8. And all things are of God now. Wow. Wow, I can see everything is of him who has, past tense, reconciled us to himself by and through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of what? Try reconciling the flesh with, with flesh. Not happening. It's not going to happen. And then we keep. me and The flesh in me activated keeps their flesh activated. And there's no transference. There's no exchange. We may call it that, but there's no exchange in that whatsoever. It just isn't. And for, for me and for all of us, there's no need of it. Christ is our need, Philippians 4 and verse 19. And what? Not, 
what reconciling uh, he to it that God was in Christ reconciling this is potential now potential because of propitiation the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them this is potential and has committed has put in us that's what the Greek says has put in us the word who is that Jesus Christ of reconciliation and did, will God reconcile my flesh with Christ and Christ with my flesh and he won't Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did and still does beseech you in and through Christ in us as his, his vessels in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. By us, we beseech you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he has made him to be that sin sacrifice for us. We must re remember that Jesus Christ was the pure Lamb of God. He was made the sin sacrifice. He never became sin, but he dealt with it and removed it from us. And thank God he crucified the old man and the old and Satan still tries to get the old man to interface and enter into the flesh and in, in, in experience through a lie. <laughs> so that we live in a lie. And we call it something it's not. For he has made him to be that sin sacrifice for us who knew no sin, had no sin nature. Again, this, this is Hebrews 4 and verse 15. This is Luke 1 verse 35 and John 1 and verse 14. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In him. And that's where we are. And that's the, you look at the, at the epistle to the Ephesians. Those six chapters. With, with Colossians, and that's where it really belongs, Ephesians and Colossians, then it goes into a personal experience and manifestation in Philippians. But truths that are so real about who we are in Christ and who he is in us has nothing to do with the flesh. We see that in Ephesians, those six chapters. And Father, we thank you so much for your convicting love for us this morning. Thank you. And that in it, there's not an ounce of condemnation. Thank you for your so great love. And thank you for dealing with us so beautifully, so gently, so precisely. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes we need to be shaken up. And even those, uh, even those are the gentleness of your love. And Father, thank you for your, your precious love, our precious Savior. Thank you, Father. And showing me, me personally, any areas of the subtlety of the flesh where I think I have a right to see you after the flesh, see myself and see others and call it fellowship and not purity. Oh, he's preparing us for a meeting with him. And Father, thank you so much. So many that we know have already gone on to their face-to-face -face meeting with you. Is this world that we're in, but not of, in John 17, 14, and 16, we're not of is ripening for judgment, but not for us. And we can warn them and tell them, be reconciled. Be reconciled. Without any condemnation flowing out of our mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Even And that starts in our relationships with each other in a local assembly. And there's no foolishness. In Ephesians 5, 3, 4, and 5, there's no foolishness of the flesh involved in fellowship. And there's no right for it. The cross did away with all the rights of the flesh in me, Ed, and me. And that's, where it's, that's where it starts, and that's where it should end. 
And Father, thank you for your love and your protection in Jesus' name. Amen.